Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the August 28th, 2018 edition of Ask a Leader. With 70 days remaining before the midterm elections today, some very big primaries are being held in Arizona and Florida, along with a GOP gubernatorial runoff in Oklahoma. Marching orders, do I need to say it by now? Okay. My first guest will be John Laird, Governor Jerry Brown's appointment as California Secretary for Natural Resources. We'll blast through the California's fourth climate change assessment with menacing trends at the state stairs down. This in advance of the Global Climate Action Summit to be held next month in San Francisco. In the second segment, my guest will be Robin Ganahl. Orange County Organizer for Climate Action Campaign with a trove of municipal activity right here in Irvine and around the Orange County. We'll be right back after a short station break. Welcome back to the show. My first guest is John Laird, California Secretary for Natural Resources, appointed by Governor Brown. Mr. Laird's career public service began when he was an aide to Congressman Jerome Waldy, next a budget analyst for the Santa Cruz County Administrator. He was elected to the Santa Cruz City Council and served nine years until limits limited him. During that time, he was a two-term mayor. While on the council, he served as a board member at local transit, transportation, water planning, and regional government agencies. Mr. Laird later served as executive director of the Santa Cruz AIDS Project and an elected member of the Cabrillo College Board of Trustees. Next, he was elected three terms to represent portions of Santa Cruz, Monterey, and Santa Clara counties as the 27th Assembly District in that District of California. At the beginning of his second term, John Laird was named by Assembly Speaker Fabian Nunez as chair of the Budget Committee and reappointed by Assembly Speaker Karen Bass 2008. While in the Assembly, John Laird authored 82 bills that were signed into laws, bills establishing the landmark Sierra Nevada Conservancy, restored community college health services, expanding state civil rights protections, reforming the state mandates system, and significantly expanding water conservation. John Leonard served on the State Integrated Waste Management Board and taught state environmental policy at the University of California, Santa Cruz. In 2011, he was appointed by Governor Jerry Brown as California's Secretary for Natural Resources and has been tasked with climate change adaptation, water conservation, supply reliability, enhanced relationships with tribal governments, state parks access, farmland conservation, and oceans sustainability, among other top priorities. As secretary, he provides administrative oversight to 30 departments, commissions, councils, museums, boards, within the purview of the Natural Resources Agency. John Laird completed his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science at UC Santa Cruz. He comes to us today from Sacramento. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Secretary John Laird. 
Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, California's fourth, count them folks, this is the fourth climate change assessment. Why don't you, if you could give us just a little background on whose heft went into it, Assembly Bill 2800 uh, by um, Assemblyman Quirk, uh, out of 2016, it reflects the expertise of multiple scientific and engineering disciplines. Tell us a little bit about getting to the fourth assessment. Well, basically, every few years, we do a large collection of science to update us on the changing trends in California on climate change. And the fourth assessment involves 44 technical and 13 summary reports, and it really lays the scientific foundation for the kinds of policies we might take to deal with uh, climate change. And there are areas of wildfire, sea level rise, extreme heat events, uh, and the energy system uh, uh, as examples. And there's a, uh, a two-day uh, meeting on adaptation going on with hundreds of people in Sacramento right now. Right in now. Which a lot of these science studies are being presented. Okay. So many a climate scientist has had to dispense with their conservative estimates of trends to more intense estimates. Does the fourth assessment similarly adjust trends for California? It does, and I think one of the reasons is is that we constantly know more. We know more because uh, effects of climate might be progressing, but we know more just because of additional research. And if you just look at one, for example, sea level rise, we did a comprehensive study in 2011 of what it would be off of California, and as part of this, we are updating it, and we just have more information, more information about how ice is melting, more information about the effect of gravitational pull on uh, the, uh, the melted ice and when it moves in the oceans, and probabilities of what might happen at what level over the next uh, 80 years. And so we can see that just in that one area of sea level rise, even though it's true of almost everything that was studied in the fourth assessment. Well, we've had now, well, one data point is that there has been in California a wildfire occurring each month since 2012. But we for this year, I guess the, I don't know how dry the ink was for the fourth assessment. There have been such catastrophic and oversized wildfires. So is, does that make this like a moving target to sort of, to, to have the assessment take up the dire situation? In some ways it is a moving target, but in general the underlying factors behind the firestorms this year are reflected in the changing science that is being released. I mean, when we did a press conference with the governor after the wildfire in the Redding area a few weeks ago, the CAL FIRE chief said that normally uh, we might have one fire a season that hits 90,000 acres, and we are halfway through this season, and we have already had five fires at that magnitude. Uh, we look back uh, 25 years, and the fire season was 30 days shorter uh, at the beginning, 30 days shorter at the end, and as you indicated, there's sometimes when the fire season doesn't even end. And some of the science here uh, uh, says that, that 
by the year 2100, if greenhouse gas emissions continue to rise, uh, the average area burned by wildfires would increase 77%, and the frequency of extreme wildfires burning more than 25,000 acres would increase by nearly 50%, and insurance rates would go up in the next 30 years. Uh, for those that live in areas that have the highest fire risk. We're even taking action. Last year, um, we changed the budgeting formula for fire so that it reflects the actual season, not the season that existed uh, in past decades. So um, wildfire is reflected in this in a very strong way. And that is one of four main areas. There's sea level rise, there's energy, there's extreme heat events and impacts on public health. I don't think time will allow us to have you unpackage them in any greater degree with the time that we have together, but I'll be sure that the climate assessment website, the link that is available to all the listeners to look that up. Well, the Global Climate Action Summit's next month what expectations have you, John Laird? How will you be weaving this assessment into the summit? Well, the summit is going to attract thousands of people to San Francisco. There'll be presentations that will include some of the science that's included in the fourth assessment. And there are one, at least 100 of what are known as side events that are sponsored on different issues that will also feature uh, this science. And it's going to be a way to gather scientists, local elected officials, stakeholders, people from around the world to focus on the science and to focus on actions they're taking. So it's going to be a big deal. And when you prepare these, as you were preparing, leading the, this assessment effort here, what, did you, John Laird, have the rest of the country in mind presenting this as a template for other states' adoption? Well, basically, we have California in mind. And yet, in having California in mind, we're setting an example that other states can follow. We released uh, earlier this year the first forest carbon plan that's been done by the 50 states. And it's a roadmap of how to sequester carbon and how to deal with the impacts of climate change in forests. Uh, we did that for California, but I know a couple of years ago, I spoke to the Western uh, States Foresters Association, and when I was walking through everything we were doing, it was a way to let others know and have it be a template if they want to do any piece of it. And so while we're doing sea level rise and, and uh, heat islands, energy reliability, these issues are in many of the other states, and we've even banded together with other states. When we're doing our work on ocean acidification, we have banded together with Washington and Oregon, and the governors launched an international alliance, since we have no national leadership right now, to organize uh, countries from around the world on it. And yet the template is the study that we did on the West Coast, not just highlighting the science, but highlighting early action steps that we could take on ocean acidification. For those of you who've just joined us, as our time draws down here with my special guest, John Laird, California's Secretary for Natural Resources with California's 
fourth climate change assessment in front and center. Well, John Laird, you may be aware that the Orange County Register Editorial Board has just two weeks ago offered a full-throated endorsement of climate change being human cause and listing its readers to step up. Is your agency getting something of a bump from new demographic or business sectors anywhere in the state as a result of this editorial shift from a well-known libertarian press? Yes, uh, but oh. that, is not, that is not alone. Uh, I think they shift right at the time that we have the first deadly fire tornado uh, when a fire burns into a residential area in Redding. And they did that when we have certain ocean uh, issues where the catch is threatened because of an acidifying and heating ocean. And so I think they realized that you just can't stick your head in the sand anymore, and many others do as well. And climate change is happening all around us. Uh, so that as Resources Secretary, I work with Nevada on the Lake Tahoe Health, and we set up a science group for Nevada and California, and they have reported to us that Lake Tahoe is heating faster than any freshwater alpine lake in the world. So it's happening all around us. And yes, we get a bump from the Orange County paper when it does that. But at the same time, uh, it's really hard to ignore what's happening in all parts of the state. Well, uh, instead of uh, my asking after this appointment what you're going to do next, um, I'm willing to hand the mic over to you and give you a chance to assign duties for the public to step up amidst these dire trends specified in the fourth assessment. Well, thank you. And I did note that you have a local person on climate that's following me. Yes, yes. People can work with anybody that's doing that kind of work locally everywhere in the state. But I think the important thing is to do two things, to speak up, to ratify what the Orange County paper did, and let everybody know that it is real and have a voice in the public uh, realm. But we have almost 40 million Californians, and we're not going to fight climate unless everybody makes individual decisions about their own life, whether it's alternative transit, an electric car, solar on their home, uh, any of the conserving water, any of the number of things that Individually, people do their part, so in the aggregate, we meet our goals on climate in the state. Well, that is all the time that your office is letting me have with you today. I will. I they're get, real mean. No, no, they're not. They gave you me. They're not. They're fine. They're fine. But I, I'm teasing. So I want to know: Am I going to? I'm going to be up at the Global Climate Action Summit. Am I going to get to see you then? Yes. Okay. You, I'm moderating discussions. I'm leading a side group. Uh, I'm just participating in any of a number of ways, and and it's exciting that you're going to be there, and hopefully our paths will cross. Well, I'm looking forward to that, so I want to thank you, John Laird. He's California's Secretary for Natural Resources. We've just been talking about California's fourth climate change assessment. Thank you so much, John Laird, for your time today. My pleasure. We'll be right back with Robin Ganahl, and she is the one that John Laird was just talking about. She's Orange County organizer for the Climate Action Campaign. We'll be right back after a short break.
Thanks for staying with us. That was Charles Lloyd, Vanished Gardens. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guest is Robin Ganahl, Orange County Organizer for Climate Action Campaign, which Mr. Natural Resource Secretary John Lair just introduced in the first segment. Robin Ganahl's earliest career was as an engineering consultant designing recycling transfer stations or containment pits for toxic chemicals. She later taught herself how to build web websites and went on to manage Dean and DeLuca's website. She worked nearly 10 years at the U.S. Department of Treasury helping them move their IT systems to web-based systems and became certified as a project manager. In her new vocation as a mother, we're going to put that in uppercase M, she realized that the need to protect the environment was growing increasingly urgent and that everything in her role as a mom would be better served through collective action. So she became a community organizer and advocate for clean energy with her brood in mind. Her volunteer work includes being a legislative representative for Citizens Climate Lobby and Green Initiatives co-chair for the PTA at her daughter's school and starting the first California chapter of Mothers Out Front, mobilizing for a livable climate. She now leads the charge for 100% clean energy in Orange County as the first Orange County organizer for Nicole Capretz's, we've talked about her previously on other shows, her, Nicole Capretz's groundbreaking climate action campaign. Ramaganal completed her structural and engineering, environmental engineering degree at the University of Kansas and her master's in IT from Johns Hopkins University. She joins me in studio today. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Robin Ganal. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first, Let's have you fill us in on the Climate Action Campaign, the Grassroots Actors Campaign networking efforts in Orange County. I've had Carl Maritz and Roger Gloss. They've talked about it a few times on the show. You're now a, st a professional staff member of this organization. So while you tell us about the charter, tell us what you've been bringing, how you've been bringing state and local office holders as well as candidates to these many forums in the last while. Sure. Thanks, Claudia. Um, well, Climate Action Campaign, as you mentioned, was started by Nicole Capretz, who worked for the city of San Diego for about 20 years. And she wrote their groundbreaking climate action plan back in 2015 and then left to start the Climate Action Campaign to ensure that that plan uh, was passed and implemented. And so it is one of the, if not the most, ambitious climate action plans in the country with a goal of 100% clean energy by 2035. And they've also gotten commitments from six other cities in the San Diego area to get to 100% clean energy. And so I'm thrilled to expand her work to Orange County and work with city leaders and county leaders and community members to get those same kind of commitments that we know we need to make in order to protect our kids and our communities from the impacts of climate change and slow it down. And so what we're doing here in Orange County is working with cities um, first on what's called community choice energy, because that's really the biggest tool cities have to stop climate change. And what it does is brings the energy portfolio 
the, of cities under local control. So right now we have SoCal Edison as our energy provider. Some people down in South Orange County have SDG&E. And so what they do is purchase electricity on our behalf and they deliver it to us. And when a city decides to adopt community choice energy, what they decide to do is take over that first piece and have an, a new option for residents for who buys their electricity. So we have more of a say then in where we get our electricity from and where it's generated and how it's generated. So and it provides choice for the first time for people who can choose to stay with SoCal Edison if they choose, or they can choose to go with a more local, locally responsive community choice program. So we've been working with several cities throughout Orange County. Including Irvine in, now. And especially but Irvine. But we'll get into that in mm-hmm. some of the, because there was a green ribbon yeah. last night. There's a city council tonight. But anyway, so yeah. let's name, so who are the good neighbors stepping up with this, <laughs> getting the city level sort of consideration in well, Orange County so far? What's we the tally? Had, we had a forum back in April here at UC Irvine called Understanding Community Choice Energy. Yeah, Kevin DeLeon and Don, Don Wagner in the same room. That's right. They actually, that. I actually saw them hug. Yeah. <laughs> Charm offensive on that. <laughs> and um, no, it was, it was very well attended. We were very pleased. We had 22 cities from around Orange County send representatives, um, either city staff or city council members. And so there are several of those cities that are taking steps forward and those include Irvine um, which we'll talk a little bit more about Laguna Beach has also um, taken steps forward so is Huntington Beach um, Lake Forest Tustin and I'm also meeting with just this week I have a second meeting with San Juan Capistrano and Laguna Woods has also expressed interest. San Clemente just had it on their agenda last week in city council. So there's several cities um, that are very interested in pursuing this. So you could say that this is a measure of the bottom-up kind of climate change response, that we we're, just talked about the state setting uh, some of the standards and uh, considerations from California in the national leadership vacuum, but you're here to say there is a local government element and uh, aspect to this activism, and I'm going to say this is another reason why voting all the way down ticket matters because of the kinds of initiatives that you see are a fertile area for stepping up the leadership in this climate disaster. Yeah, absolutely. The Climate Action Campaign is all about getting action at the local level because that's where we have the most influence to make change uh, in the local communities. And so that's, you know, community choice energy um, has happened in places where there has been a grassroots push for it because cities have a lot of other things on their plates. And if residents aren't speaking up in favor of it and in support of it, then it stays on the back burner. But in Irvine, we've had the great community support, uh, people coming to city council meetings, giving public comment, writing their city council members. And so there is a groundswell. Um, In fact, at the Green Ribbon Committee last night, Melissa Fox, who's the chair of the Green Ribbon Committee, said that Irvine wouldn't have had the nerve to move forward with community choice energy if it weren't for community members coming to city council meetings and speaking up in favor of it. Did anybody else give that kind of uh, support on the council? Or is it one voice out of five? 
Oh, no, there are, um, I've spoken with Christina Shea, Mayor Pro Tem Shea. She seems very supportive of it. She's told me she's in support of it. And um, in meeting with Don Wagner, he's, well, they're in support of a study. At at this point, we're just asking that they do a study to see if it's viable. So um, Mayor Wagner has indicated that he's in favor of a study as well. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest for the remainder of the hour is Robin Ganahl, now leading the charge for 100% clean energy in Orange County as Orange County Organizer for Climate Action Campaign. So with the community choice and energy that are being considered, so is the reliability, uh, energy reliability uh, and I'm trying to think of the other word that um, is that all all getting rolled into that uh, as an assurance to people that this change doesn't mean service is encumbered at all. Absolutely. A community choice program would have to meet all the same standards for reliability as the existing utilities. And actually, it's it's still the existing utilities that will be delivering the electricity, not the community choice program. So. And, and I've actually met with um, big users of electricity in Irvine, including Hogue Hospitals, and obviously that would be a, a super important piece of this to them. And um, that that actually is um, an assurance that reliability won't be affected. And it could actually be improved because if we can choose to, to bring more of our local um, or build out more local sources of electricity, then that helps with resiliency. Right, and I was saying resiliency, reliability. Those and reliabi- are the two, the two are there that we, right. we talk about every time energy comes up on, on the show here. Yeah. Well, let's you t- you've talked a little bit. Let's open it all the way up. What happened? You're our correspondent on what happened with the Green Ribbon Committee hearing meeting last. Was it last night? Yesterday. Yeah, afternoon? it was last night. Okay. They have quarterly meetings, so it's great that Irvine even has the Green Ribbon Committee to look at you know ways we can make a. Or, keep in Irvine a clean environment for everyone. And so last night on the agenda was their next step in the process of looking at community choice. They were the committee that brought forward the recommendation last summer to the Irvine City Council to do a study of community choice. That's a year ago. That was a year ago. And so since that, since once the Irvine City Council said yes, go ahead, they've been um, getting proposals. And so last night was them coming back to that committee and saying, this is who we think we would like to select and award a contract to to do a study. So well, do you that, have any comments about who's being tasked with that study responsibility? Well, they're recommending a firm called EES be awarded the study. And I believe EES has done some great work in this area and is absolutely qualified. So I think they've they made based? a good selection. Oh, I, I'm not okay. sure. Oh, we'll find. Okay. <laughs> no, I just was wondering if they're they're leaning right around, you know, right down the freeway from a nearby place, and they know they know the, the place. So, and is there? I guess I would throw in this part, this thought that with energy uh, and tech being an economic engine around in the Irvine area. We've got we've got the synergy uh, synergistic relationship of the engineering campus here, as well as the all of the the private sector that's developing these measures. So is that sort of economic engine a part of 
getting the city to join on to expanding this energy choice? Yeah, absolutely. Community choice is, is not just about going green, but it's about um, growing the local economy. Because when you bring the decisions about where our electricity comes from under local control, then we can decide, hey, you know what, we want to bring more of our electricity from local renewable sources. And we maybe even want to encourage the build out of more local renewable sources. So that creates local clean tech jobs and is more aligned with what, you know, what will benefit our communities. So did the Green Ribbon talk about that? This is advancing. This I, is killing lots of birds. Yes. With, yeah. one, with one effort. Right. One yes. enterprise. Yeah. yeah. And so they, at the meeting last night, also are anticipating taking this recommendation to the city council on September 25th. Okay. Um, first, it has to go to the Finance Commission on September 4th to get the money approved. But they're using existing funds, not asking for new funds. So that's good, I think. And then they anticipate going to city council for a vote on September 25th. On so budgeting it. Uh, on on awarding the contract right, right, for the study I mean. so okay. they can begin the study. Okay. And so I would like to encourage everyone listening in Irvine to mark down September 25th because even Melissa Fox said last night it would be great to have a good public showing for that vote to give the council confidence that this community is behind this. And also um, sign up to stay in the loop because sometimes agenda items get bumped. So if you'd like to stay in the loop about when that vote's actually going to happen, go to OCCleanPower.org and join our movement for community choice. And we'll keep you in the loop about when they're actually going to have the vote. All right. Well, we'll put those dates down in the podcast summary. Listeners know when I bring in that refrain. So tonight... The Irvine City Council will convene in a regular bi-weekly session, usually on every twice a month. And on the council's agenda is the general plan update. And I've talked with Bill Jacobs, the senior planner, about that. But this, what concerns you is how the Senate Bill 32 that was signed into law about almost two years, just shy two years ago uh, by our governor, uh, it sets into law the mandated reduction target target of the greenhouse gas emissions uh, is written into an executive order. So how does it stand now, the mm-hmm. general plan update for the city of Irvine with respect to Senate Bill 32? Well, the climate action plan that the city of San Diego passed was done... Um, typically, cities do climate action plans when they do a general plan update. It's required by SB 32 that as they're planning out the growth of the city and the development of the city over the next couple decades, that they show in that plan how they're going to mitigate greenhouse gases um, 40 percent below 1990 levels by 2030. And so typically what a city will do is, is put together a climate action plan to show how they're going to do that. And that's what they did in San Diego. Community Choice Energy was one big part of that climate action plan. So um, so Irvine right now doesn't have a climate action plan, but they are doing their general plan update right now. So this would be the, the time for them to put a climate action plan in place. And they've got templates, right? It's San Diego, yeah. municipalities, and was it the county of? 
the board of supervisors. They, or no, the, the city, cities, cities mm-hmm. of around in the county. So there, there, it's not like there has to be designing a brand new looking right sexy wheel. There's a lot of the examples there. out there. Off the shelf it goes and yeah. slides it right into the. I mean, right. it, and the, or are there specific things that need to be say, said about how idiosyncratic the city is from? you know, how it differs from. Oh, well, it, yeah, each city is going to have its own benchmark of how of what their emissions are. And so that was actually also talked about in the Green Ribbon Committee last night. They're going to do a new benchmark so that they know what the existing greenhouse gas emissions are. So they know what they have to reduce it by. So that's kind of step one. So they are planning to do that. And that's also an, a contract they're planning to award um, to do that baseline set the new baseline mm-hmm. I guess so yeah it's gonna be different for each city so there's it's not a one-size-fits-all because right. it all depends on what you know where your emissions are coming from well that and I I think Irvine's a good deal more sprawl than the city of San Diego so mm-hmm. so there that's I think transportation is a, is a big problem is, uh, yeah yeah and uh, probably the amount of emissions coming from transportation will be higher in Irvine than perhaps in San Diego. So, um, but there are pieces of existing plans that, you know, like community choice energy that they can pull from, so. So for those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI.org at 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming on the web, as I said, and we're our little Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook handles are there with the KUCI embeddings, easy to pull up. And I'm talking with Robin Ganahl, and she is the Orange County, the or the or professional organizer for the Orange County Climate Action Campaign. And we're talking about Irvine moving into the update for the general plan with an opportunity to, we're not talking about shoehorning, we're talking about embedding this because it'll show up in a lot of different elements won't it it won't be just one place right um yeah it'll involve a lot of different departments within the city um and so anything from transportation to planning to public works um so yeah there'll be multi multiple pieces of the plan in this in san diego the, the five main pieces of their plan are um, 100% clean energy, uh, re- uh, 50% of people taking public transit or biking or walking, so getting out of their cars, um, a tree canopy of 35%, 0% waste going to landfills, and social equity. So making sure that all communities are living in a clean environment and not having a disproportionate burden of the pollution being in their community. So Robin and Ernest question, does the climate action campaign talk about how we create a culture that steps up to doing all those things, to changing lifestyles so that there can be a reduction in the landfill uh, contributions that it's it's acceptable. It's safe to tr- pop on your bike instead of do your errands in your freaking V8 engine car. And all. I mean, so yeah. uh, is, that, is culture change part of what Climate Action Campaign yeah. is addressing and taking up? Well, um, somewhat. But I, I think, 
you know, where we're really super focused because we all take, you know, I think a lot of us are trying to do what we can at the household level. And now we can always be doing more, but there's also a lot that our cities and, and counties can be doing to make that easier for us. And so that's really where we're focused mostly is on trying to get action, you know, trying to get cities to step up and, and do their part so that it's easy for us to charge our electric cars or it's easier for us to recycle or um, not have to um, buy, you know, wasteful things in the first place. Um, so it's really about getting action at the local level and, and getting the cities to, to, you know, use some of the tools that they have that we don't. You know, I, I've got one other, it's off the wall here, Ernest question. Mm-hmm. How do you handle someone idling their car in place in a parking lot while they're working on their cell phone? <laughs> I still haven't figured that one out. <laughs> I'm such a scold. What do you do, Robin? Because that's, that's like the opposite mm-hmm. direction of pairing our G- greenhouse gas emissions. There's more people who feel good to do that. Yeah, well, you know... Uh, <laughs> That's a, that's a tough question to answer. It is, you know, it does you irk it. me a little bit. But, you know, I also know that where where I was three or four years ago, I was concerned about this, but I I wasn't, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And so I understand that people, um, you know, because there's a lot of bad information out there. And so um, not everybody is as aware of what's happening as as they should be, but um, you know, I think in general people want to do the right thing. So, and I, I understand not not everybody is quite there yet. So, uh, another uh, kind of a it's a social political co- sort of cultural question is: so you are always about bringing more people on board with the climate action campaign. You're expanding membership. You're asking. I mean, you've got people that are have already been activists for a long time, but you're also about bringing new people on board. So you're you're campaigning uh, to expand this organization, and I'm saying that this there there's this sort of happy uh, sort of de- green sweet spot in the middle. You've got people that are distressed out of their minds with the trends, mm-hmm. and on one end, and on the other end are the I call them magical thinkers who think, oh, this is just a cycle. We'll get over this, you know, no big. So, and you're you're trying, to, you're looking sort of right down the middle, sort of dealing with uh, who's then left to, to join the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, we've got a great bunch of volunteers and um, so we, we try to give volunteers who are interested in, focusing right now still on community choice energy um, because it takes a a group of community members in each city to really get the ball rolling. So we're trying to give them the tools and support um, to build relationships with their city council and go to give public comment at a city council meeting. I mean, I never did any of that until a couple years ago. (laughs) And so it's not something that all of us are familiar with. But um, but there's always opportunities for people to get involved. And, and if that's not your comfort zone, then, you know, making calls to people or talking to your homeowners association about this to get it on the agenda and having them perhaps write a letter of support. Well, you found a way to put it on, on PTA's consciousness because that yeah. PTA can PTAs be about can also. very focused on 
very specific campus issues, but you can say, oh, come on, this can be a curriculum kind of thing. This can yeah. be well, I a mean, civic There's thing. actually a position on PTAs called legislative representative. And, and every, they've been there. That, that position has been there forever. Yeah. So I mean, it's, PTA is actually a very political organization, but usually at the school level, it's, it's, it's not because they're just trying to get enough people to do the basics of running the PTA. But yeah, that is a, an opportunity PTAs have to be a voice for their kids and get involved and be engaged in their with their local leaders and let them know that this is something that's important to them as parents um, and ask our local leaders to make it a priority. So we t- we're talking about the, the city council taking up the this program the, and putting it in the general plan update so tonight is the meet is a meeting so what will people expect to happen what what do you want them to prepare for tonight and i'm gonna i'm gonna read again the orange county register this like this fits in what you're doing right now with what the register is saying it's now's the time to not give in to despair but to lobby our leaders and governments around the world that's what you're doing telling them to stop sticking their heads in the hot sand believe the science and begin a technical approach to reversing the real problem humans have brought to our planet so and they're in- exhorting people to engage with their local leadership and so so our people can just sort of wave that orange county editorial board right there at the, every meeting starting tonight right right this is the libertarian voice saying this, I mean, this is so not a libertarian argument being made. Right. So, yeah, people can can get involved in this. And, you know, it, it doesn't take that many people speaking up um, to get things to get the ball rolling in many cases. And the other thing is businesses can speak up, too, because with Community Choice Energy, you know, ask a business, would you rather have a, a monopoly situation for your electricity or would you like to have a choice? And of providers, and especially for big users of electricity, um, it's a no-brainer. They'd like to have a choice. So, as around you know Orange County, when they find out that this is actually popular with businesses too, then it just becomes a, a total no-brainer. So, I encourage businesses also to look at this and um, and make their voices heard too, because this school you know electricity costs affect their bottom lines. And this is an opportunity to stabilize those costs or bring them down. So, Robin Gunnell, what is next on the climate action campaign? There's around the corner is the the community choice forum. Talk, you can talk about that, among other things, for people to put down their calendar. Yeah, on next week, September 7th, uh, the climate action campaign is putting on its third annual community choice Energy Forum in San Diego, UC San Diego. And this is really shaping up to be a great event with experts from all around the state of California. There's over a dozen, actually I think about up to 18, um, Community Choice Energy programs that are launched. Wow, Um, 18. Yeah, they they anticipate by the end of this year about 25% of the state will be served by a community choice program. So this is not brand new anymore. Um, It's a real tried and true way to um, stabilize electricity costs, bring them down, and green our energy mix. So there are people coming from those existing community choice programs to our forum on the 7th, as well as people from, you know, the ISO, the, the, the people who maintain the grid, 
and um, Mayor Falconer will be there to give the opening remarks because San Diego is just on sort of the precipice of deciding whether they're going to launch a CCA program in the city of San Diego. And so it'll be a great opportunity for anyone in Orange County who's interested in community choice energy and its opportunities and its benefits and its potential risks to come down and really learn from some expert panelists what's going on in the state with community choice. So Robin, do you envision somebody can pitch the need tonight at the Irvine City Council meeting for a representative to attend that summit? Um, yes, yes. I mean, th- that must be on somebody's <laughs> three by five cards yes. request. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, it can be not, I mean, the finance committee, I don't know if it's an energy committee that, that works or it could be an aid to a council member. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure who you think is the best fit but that needs to be probably brought up that mm-hmm. j- and in advance of the meeting an email first and then here here I'm, we're talking about this playbook here <laughs> but but I, it seems like that's a reasonable thing so they can uh, brush shoulders with innovative greatness yeah they can hear about all the great things that these programs are doing throughout the state and all the benefits that the residents are enjoying that um, that we are not yet so any other events that we ought to know about we're talking about municipal schedules, but there's organizational schedules, or maybe we talked about down ticket voting. Midterm election people has consequences with how the energy sort yeah. of category gets addressed. Yeah, I mean, take a look at who's running for city council in your city and find out where they stand on community choice. I know one of the candidates in San Clemente, one of the students, OC students for city council, Jackson Hinkle, has made community choice energy part of his campaign platform. So, you know, pay attention to to what your city council representatives are um, saying about this, if anything, and uh, find out who's running and find out where they stand. Well, I think there's also something to be said for what um, we'll call it policy envy, vision envy, if we could entreat either incumbents or candidates or both to see the value in their taking the lead on this and they get prestige in there when they go to their next National Mayor's Association and wherever mm-hmm. they're congregating next. But that le- leadership envy, I mean, we that there's another card to play, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, this is a really popular program. And the you know, you can opt out of community choice program at any time and go back to the utility. And they're finding that about 3% of people do that, but 97% okay. stay with it. So it's very popular. And you get to sort of play Santa Claus, because typically there's um, money left over that would usually be be the profits for shareholders for the utility, but instead it it's, um, stays in the city, and the city can decide to reinvest it in the community. And so in Rancho Mirage, for example, they're giving homeowners $500 if they install solar um, from the program. So like a one-time payment, 500 mm-hmm. bucks? Okay. Yeah. Well, there's there's some smart change. Yeah, and in Sonoma County, they've they've been around a little longer, and they've got a lot of programs up there for you know extra rebates on electric cars, and they're offering businesses now steep discounts on their electricity bills if they'll let Sonoma Clean Power put in battery storage on their site. So there's some tremendous you know, benefits that are very popular with residents and businesses that would make 
uh, city leaders be heroes in their eyes. Well, that's a marvel. Well, that is about all the time you have, unless you, you have any more marching orders for listeners other than following you on the website of, well, you've given us one website, but I'm going to add another one there too. Yeah. Um, well, we have a coalition. OC Clean Power is our coalition of yes. community groups and businesses. So OCCleanPower.org. You can go there and sign up to join our movement, and then you'll we'll keep you in the loop on city important city council meetings and ways to be involved in your city to help move this forward. And you can also find us on Facebook under OC Clean Power and Climate Action Campaign. Robin Ganahl, thank you for your time coming in studio today. Thank you so much for having me. Robin Ganahl is my guest in this latter portion. She's leading the charge for 100% clean energy in Orange County as the first Orange County organizer for Climate Action Campaign. With marching orders for every one of us, from council meetings to regional forum to global summits to our ballots. Thanks again, Robin. Well, that's all the time I have today uh, for our guests. Looking back and then forward over the weekend, I learned some interesting things. Legal observer training, how to observe and document something developing where people are congregating, like people at a rally and, and law enforcement. It was very interesting. I hope I can get one of those sanctioned uh, leaders with observer training. They, they taught me quite a bit at a forum I was at last week, and I also took in interesting mingling at it was a, a democratic fundraiser saturday district attorney tony rakakis and district attorney candidate todd spitzer were at the banquet kind of letting that still sinking in and there's always around the corner more wonderful forums for us all to find out more what our community is up to. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, I'm going to have on Jorge and Mosillo of the Orange County Communities Organized for Responsible Development. That's OCORD with a huge citizenship fair in Anaheim on September 29th. It'll be here before you know it. And he wants to help you get on, on your calendar. It's September 26th. Second segment, Diana Cavanaugh will return to talk about how the Assistance League of Irvine's latest as well as ongoing fundraising efforts address needs in the not so affluent households in Irvine. Dispel myth, dispel myths. And I'm back on air with you next week with Brett Kavanaugh, U.S. Supreme Court confirmation hearings. They will just have begun on that September 4th. Talk with you next week. Thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> <laughs>